This is Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point, Hedman, right to go, Kudrop. Score! Hattrick Kudrop! It is an off day for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've had three productive days of practice since Phase 3 got underway on Monday. Today is an off day, and then they're back at it tomorrow. But no off day for us here on Lightning Power Play and Power Lunch. Dave Mishkin with you, Steve Versnick as well, and I'm really happy to be joined for today's show. Dave Anrichuk, Lightning captain, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champion, and Andy and I have not had a chance to, to touch base since this whole pause started. So Andy, first of all, thanks for coming on, and Second of all, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Miss. Yeah, good to speak with you. Um, uh, yeah, it's been uh, very crazy for all of us, and uh, yourself included. You know, you have a family, and I'm sure that, you know, your health and safety is the first and foremost for everybody. So, um, but I'm doing well. I actually went down to the beach for a month or so, so I kind of quarantined down here for a little while. Uh, I've been fairly active, to be honest with you. You know, the weather has been great, so I've been out yeah. biking and walking and, you know, uh, but I uh, haven't been able to get to Canada, as we all know. I would have uh, probably got a little trip up to Canada, but the border is closed, and so I'm kind of waiting for that to open up maybe after we're done with our playoffs and take a little trip up there, but it's been good. Well, I'm really excited to have you on today, Andy, to get some insights from you, kind of putting you in the players' heads, and maybe the coaches' heads too, as it relates to how these players are getting reacclimated after such a long layoff. And I kind of wanted to start with this this general question, which is, as a round-robin team, the Lightning along with Boston, Washington, and Philly and the four top seeds in the West do not have a game of major significance, the first playoff game, until August 11th or August 12th if they're playing on the second day, as opposed to these other teams that are going to be starting in an elimination series on August 1st, August 2nd. So if we accept the fact that starting on Monday – Monday was the beginning point to get ready for whenever that first significant game is. How much of an advantage is it for the Lightning and these seven other teams that are round-robin teams to have that extra time? Because they're all building toward that first playoff game, right? How much of an advantage is it, understanding everyone came off this long layoff, to have that extra time to build up to your first playoff game as opposed to the teams that are in the play-in series? Well, yeah, first and foremost, they're not going to get knocked out, right? Like, that's, that's yeah. the main thing, right? They don't get knocked out of the playoffs. I, I, I feel like um, there's, it's almost a little bit of a double-sided sword here because I feel like if you don't make them any significance, of any significance, are you going to be ready come, you know, your first actual playoff series? Uh, that would be my fear. Uh, I've, you know, we've all been sitting at home and we're scouring the schedules and all the teams and that. And, you know, to be honest with you, do you really want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round of the playoffs if you lose all three of your games? Right. And that to me is the significance. 
um, getting momentum going into the playoffs. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, we know it's going to be reseeded. Uh, but if, if Pittsburgh ends up beating, you know, they're going to play that, you know, the, the lowest seed. And uh, that would be a tough matchup for me, especially with their healthy. So I really think, you know, as, as players, um, you're not going to step on the ice and not try to win. Uh, will John Cooper, you know, how will he handle his lineup? Um, you know, will he try some things? I, I, I think you got to just step on the gas right away and build momentum going to that playoff round. And it's going to be tough for all of them. I, I've answered a lot of questions about this layoff. I don't know if, and I think John Cooper said it, you know, a couple of days ago, said, I don't know if any player has ever taken that much time off the ice since he was, you know, six years old. And I know I never would have taken four months off. So we'll see how the competitive edge is, is going to be there, but you know, how is the play going to be? So I really think they got to make these play in games, you know, for, for the seedings, I think they got to take it that uh, you send a message to everybody else that, you know, you're here to win. And the players have talked about that. I didn't mean to imply that these round robin games were meaningless. But Julian Breezeball was up front and saying, everything we're, we're doing right now is to gear up for the first playoff game. But they've said they want to use those round-robin games to get ready for the first playoff game and bringing that sort of intensity as difficult as it may be. I wanted to get your thoughts on the training camp part of this, yeah. specifically this time that all these teams are in their home cities before they leave for the hub cities. So the teams were able to start on July 13th, Monday. They're all leaving on July 26th. So it's a finite amount of time. It's under two weeks. And there's a lot I'm sure coaches have on their laundry list. <laughs> they have to work in conditioning for the players. They have to work in system play. They want to get the players battle tested. They also want to make sure that the players don't overexert. Like today is a rest day for the Lightning and other teams as well are working, I'm sure, in rest days where they're not on the ice. How difficult is that, do you think, to accomplish all of those things in a short amount of time, understanding, like we said, the players have been off for such a long time? Well, you know, let's, they, they were skating before in their small groups, then they went to 12. So it's not as if they were not skating. I think that that's a benefit to John Cooper. He you know, can work on conditioning, but I think it's more about getting back to their system play and being able to play with each other and as lines or as five-man units. I think that would be the main goal for, I would imagine, most teams is we want to be playing our system when we're ready, when we drop the puck. And I, I think Ryan McDonough the other day had an interview and he talked about, you know, they really got to pay attention in these, in these two weeks. Um, one is, you know, you pay attention to the, the details of the game, the details of, you know, your forecheck and your defensive zone coverage and, you know, just kind of rewriting the book again for these guys. So uh, interesting. It's, you know, it's less than two weeks and, you know, you're in the hub city and uh, and you're, and you're going. So uh, I think he's got a tall, John Cooper and their staff got a tall task of getting this team, you know, uh, ready to go, you know, and firing on all cylinders as, as you start that first round of the playoffs. They have not done any special teams work yet, although it sounds like they're going to be starting that maybe as soon as tomorrow. 
What does your gut tell you about what we're going to see, not only from the Lightning, but throughout the league in terms of special teams? A lot of times at the start of a season, the power play kind of reigns supreme. We see percentages up around 40 or even 50% in the first couple of weeks of the season, and then it kind of comes back to still a good percentage, but not quite that good. What do you think we're going to see from special teams as a whole in this tournament? Well, it's going to be a little bit, as you said, I think it's it's going to take some time for these teams to get in sync, um, especially penalty killing. So, um, but, you know, we know how important they are in the playoffs. We know we're, I'll be interested to see how they call the games. Um, you know how normally this, what would happen in, in a regular season is the, the referees, you know, a month before we start, they start to put their whistle away and get the players ready to, get into playoff mode and how, how are they going to call the games? You know, are we going to see six, seven power plays? I, I don't think so. I think they're going to let these guys play a little bit. So, you know, maybe the special teams are not, you know, you're not going to get as many chances. So the importance is probably even greater that you got to take advantage of it. So, uh, and you're right. The lightning have not, um, have not practiced it yet. We do know that, that's been the bread and butter for this team for the last few years now is how they've been able to, you know, neutralize teams with with a good power play. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to watch the, the, the special teams as, as we get rolling here. Why is it that power plays tend to have an advantage in a normal situation where you're starting up a season coming out of a training camp? Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's the offense that really – has the advantage right now defensively they got to get sharp on that it, that, that's, that takes a little bit of time and working with your partner on a four you know on a five on four and understanding you know when to go and you all got to go at the same time if you're going to pressure so all of those little things probably put the advantage in the power play and you know we know as we if we look through all the teams there's lots of talented guys and Power plays can reign supreme just on talent alone, and I think that's what we're going to see at the beginning. And then, you know, I would imagine as we start to get through the playoffs here, you know, penalty killing will get a lot better. You mentioned some of the guys that were in town skating before camp opened, the the quote-unquote phase two. Players didn't have to come to their home cities, but they could if they wanted to. Kalorn talked about this the other day and he felt that it was really good that the lighting had a lot of players in town which they did 18 that was among the higher numbers of of the teams that were involved in phase two but he also said something i i found interesting which was that there's only so much you can do in those kind of informal gatherings whether it's six and then they did increase the number to you could have up to 12 players on the ice at once, but even with the bigger number, he said there are some things that you just can't replicate when you get into a training camp, and certainly not into a game situation. Having been through those, Andy, what exactly was he talking about? What are some of the things that you can't do when you're kind of when you were playing yeah. skating in Brandon in late yeah. August that you could do when you got into a camp? Yeah, there's no structure. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Guys are just out there freewheeling it, right? Like there's no. There's no line rushes. There's no pairings. You know, it's just a scrimmage. You're, you're getting your legs under you. So I think that that's what he's talking about is, yeah, you know, I mean, we're out there skating, but 
you're not replicating the battles that you're going to see down low that John Cooper has done a lot of in the last few days. Um, you know, you're not going to see line rushes. You're not going to see breakouts. So all those kind of technical things you're not going to do when you're in these small groups. Now you are going to work on some of your skills as far as shooting and passing and stuff like that. But I, I think where Alex is talking about is just these systems that have to be in place that you just don't work on those and you know in the summer or they didn't work on those when they were you know doing their small groups that's for sure the guys who came in at or just before the deadline blake coleman barkley goodrow zach bogosian they were thrown into a situation like any player that's traded at the deadline coming to a new team and and having to learn a new system maybe it's a completely different system from what they were playing in before maybe it's slightly different but it's still an adjustment and you're doing it in the thick of a playoff push this is completely different now they've had all this time off and they come into a camp kind of starting back at square one do you think that'll help those guys in terms of getting acclimated to the lightning system to have the benefit really of a a two to two and a half week training camp before you actually start playing again. Yeah, it was tough on them, right? Like, you know, when you think about those guys, and it's all around the league too. It's not just our team. I mean, there's other teams that made some moves at the deadline. And, um, you know, for them, I think it's going to be a, a, an adjustment for sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they got their eight, nine games in. And, you know, they, they did understand the system. So now they're not starting this training camp off, you know, opening the book up they 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 have gone through the system but i guess you know now it's it's kind of working in with each other and you know i i, I look at blake coleman especially if we're going to use him penalty killing and whether he's with gord or you know tyler johnson or whoever he's going to be penalty killing I, that's going to take a little while for him because he's he's only had a few games with it so these guys that we brought in as you know we've talked about this many times before is that you know, we've given up first round draft picks, which is maybe not in the old regime in the Steve Eisenman era. That was something that was done. But Julian Breezebob went out and made this team better for the playoffs. And we'll see if it if, if we can reap the benefits a little bit. But I think these guys are going to they're really going to need these two weeks to, to get to know their teammates again and, and to continue learning the system. Coleman and Goodrow did spend some time on the same penalty kill unit when it was possible to get those two guys out together in the time that they were on the lightning before the season paused. And at least early in camp, for what it's worth, they're playing on a line together with Tyler Johnson. Do you find that that can translate? Like if guys either from penalty kill to five on five or the other way around that when guys are playing with each other a lot, it helps them build chemistry in a different situation, like in penalty kill? For sure, 100%. I think that might be the reason why those two guys are together. Um, we did see it, like you said, at the end of the year. Uh, maybe not really when they first got there, but John Cooper slowly worked, especially Coleman, into the, you know, into the penalty kill. So uh, you got them together now. They're, they're going to get two weeks to get playing together, and then we'll see if they penalty kill together. But, yeah, that, that can only benefit them. The more that they play with each other, the more line rushes they have, the more, you know, in-zone play that they have, knowing where each other is is, is only going to help them. So 
Uh, I like the both of them. They add a different dimension to this team that, you know, we maybe never had in the past, especially with good draw, you know, the a big guy toughness, you know, that uh, could be a good playoff performer for us and, and we'll see what happens. All teams do a lot of video work and that has changed a lot over the last generation, the amount of video that the teams break down. How important is it, though, to actually get out on the ice, whether it's in a practice situation or in a game situation, and go through the reps almost physically doing it yeah. rather than seeing it and watching it and being taught it? And I'm, I'm referring to specifically the guys like maybe Coleman and Goodrow right. who right. are learning not only the team system but also the penalty kill. Yeah. Well, I think you can watch what, what, you know, and I know that this is what Nigel and his staff and Coop has done over the over the, the stoppage here is that they've really gone back to looking at their systems. They've gone back to looking at other teams too, which will benefit them going into the playoffs here. But when you can show a guy a tape that the way it's supposed to be, how you're supposed to penalty kill and when you're going to be there, I think that benefits them. Now, they still got to go out on the ice and, and perform it. But I think having that time off where these guys got some good tape now where you can show, you know, hey, this is a really good, you know, defensive zone coverage or this is the way we need to forecheck. And, you know, these are the positionings on the ice. So I think you can do a little bit of video work now. Um, but I think, you know, when the playoffs start, you really you have to have that part of your game done. And now you're focusing in on the other team and, and you know, what their weaknesses are when you watch film. John Cooper brought something up yesterday in his media session that was pretty interesting. He actually drew a parallel between this really unique situation where the teams are coming in, it's an abbreviated training camp with relative to a normal training camp, much smaller numbers. You're looking at, you know, yep. low thirties as opposed to fifty or sixty guys at the start of a normal training camp. And then the team is going to some city, staying together in the hotel and playing games one right after the other. And he drew the comparison to a lot of international competitions, the World Championships, the World Cup of Hockey, even the Olympics to an extent, which is on a whole different scale. Do you see those similarities? Understanding it's not identical, like these guys do know each other as opposed to a lot of international teams that yeah. are put together bringing guys in from all over the place and also it was a much longer layoff than what you would typically have going into one of these international tournaments but are there parallels that you see that can help the guys who have been through it in addition to playing maybe at, you know noon or two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon which happens a lot in these international yeah. competitions well I I, th I like them all being together first and foremost that to me is is something that you know, I've been talking to John Cooper about uh, for a while now is, you know, uh, not that you're quarantining the players, but I love the fact that this is all it is. You're going to your hub city. You're with each other. Uh, the distractions are not there. It's all about hockey. It's all about playing together. And that's going to be a good thing. I, I think you're right. I mean, you look at some of these tournaments that have happened in the past and, you know, you put you put guys together, but when you do get them together, they're, they're together. There's nowhere else for them to go. So um, that being said, that's for every team too, right? It's not just the lightning, right? They're all going to be in those cities. Uh, it'll be interesting being in the same hotel as guys. I don't know how that will work, 
but um you know i i like them all together and i like them all just concentrating this is it man it's one after another it's hockey 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 and and you <laughs> you 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 love it right like this this is what these guys dream about is going into the stanley cup playoffs and now they can you know they can do it I'm not a huge fan of the 12 o'clock game, uh, games or 4 o'clock or the, the odd times because I like to get a routine in my game day, but so be it. Uh, it's the same for everybody. And the Lightning did schedule their two scrimmages next week at 4 o'clock, and I wonder if they did that knowing that at the very least the first two round-robin games are also scheduled for 4 o'clock, so maybe to get that routine that, that you talked about. Let's get into these round robin games. And you mentioned them at the top of the show that they are important, not only for seeding purposes, but also to get ready for that first playoff game. And we've asked a lot of people who have come on the show this question. I'm curious to get your take on it. So we've seen them work the lines very consistently through camp. We've seen the deep pairings too that have been very consistent through the first three days in camp. And if you take that for what it's worth, you you can get a, an idea of maybe what they want the lineup to look like when they enter that first playoff game, knock on wood, presuming no injuries or anything else that might force you to change your lineup. So if you're going to go in saying, you know, this is probably going to be our lineup for game one of the playoffs, do you then play that lineup, that lineup, without changing it, for all three round-robin games to give that lineup as much time to gel? Or do you say, you know what, we have these other guys that we may need and likely will need at some point if we're going to have a deep playoff run, and it's important for those guys to get reps too. So we're going to shift our lineup in each of the round-robin games so that as many different players that we feel we might need, those players also get game action so what do you think about that kind of more the same lineup for all three round robin games or a variance well i think really i think if you got to go with the guys that are going to play right i think that because of the break that you've had and you know the time off that that all these guys have gotten i think you got to get those guys that are going to play you got to get them ready to go uh i don't think you have the luxury of going to another you know, going to other guys. Now, we'll see what happens with injuries in these games, too, right? You might find yeah. that you're going to get other guys to come into the lineup if a guy is a little bit banged up, right? So you don't want to take the chance on him. So you're going to get somebody else in there. But uh, I really believe that you got to go with that lineup that you're going to start the playoffs in, and then you move forward from there. Would you give McElhenney a game or half a game in one of these round-robin games so that he does get some action? I think on the performance of Vasilevsky, we'll determine that. Uh, but I, I, that's a, a really good thought. I mean, uh, yeah. So maybe he does play, you know, half a game in one of these in one of these round robin games. But um, again, I, I I I think that you really have to make sure that um, you know you're playing to win those games and and to get the number one seed because uh, it could benefit you. You know on the teams that you play moving through the playoffs i i uh I, and and you know we'll see what happens you know how these games go you know you know who knows maybe montreal and carrie price stands on his head and you know he, he ends up winning that series and that's a possibility too but 
I think you got to give your, your yourself the best chance by moving, you know, um, uh, by moving, you know, uh, getting the best lineup you can uh, going into these round robin games. So doing well in the round robin portion of this will help you with your seeding. You just mentioned that, especially in that first round matchup, because you're going to get the highest seed will get the lowest remaining seed throughout the playoffs as long as that top seed stays alive. But the other part of doing well in the round robin tournament, particularly as you get deeper in the playoffs, is that you do have home ice advantage. Now, before you start laughing about what home ice advantage, they're all playing in the same building. It will factor in in terms of the last change. So the team that is designated the home team will get the last change. And I was interested to note that Boston is the team that's the one seed going into the round robin and the Lightning, the second seed, two of their three round robin games, they are designated the home team. Washington and Philly will each get only one game designated as the home team. And I wanted to ask you about matchups and matching lines and matching your D pair against the opposition's forward line combinations, particularly into a playoff series. How important is that, which would be a byproduct, like if you are the higher seed, you're going to get the last change in four out of potentially seven games. How important is that? Can that be in a long playoff series? Well, uh, interesting point because, you know, you you know that when you're at home uh, and you have home ice advantage, it's you're playing in your own city. You know, you have your fans there. That being said, you don't have that, but you're getting the last change. And I think that could be crucial, especially you move through the through the playoffs here. Um, you know, you're talking about a game seven, but, you know, you might be able to, to be able to match up the lines you want. And, you know, again, I, am not a, uh, we know that things have changed. It's not necessarily, you know, you're matching up the lines. I think it's getting the right D pairings on the ice against the right, you know, top lines for the other team. So there is a huge benefit to that as you move through the playoffs. And, um, I'm, I'm assuming that that's something that's been talked about that, you know, uh, if we want home ice advantage in the, in that game seven or to start the playoffs, we got to win these games in you know in the round robin. There are so many mental challenges that players are going to be dealing with, and this has been a topic that's been addressed and talked about in virtually every one of these Zoom press conferences that I've heard from from Lightning players and coaches going back to Monday. But you just kind of stack them all up the pause in play the time off being in the bubble playing with no fans how much is the mental part of this going to factor in for the teams that have success beyond maybe what a team might be able to do physically and by physically I mean getting that system work in and 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 executing as well as they need to but the stuff between the ears and dealing with you know, being away from your family for maybe a couple of months and yep. being in the bubble and not being able to go outside when you want and playing at noon like you just talked about. Yep. How important is the mental side of this for a team's success? Well, I think it's huge, right? Because th- th- this is no, this is going to be a lot different than what they're used to. Um, you know, whether it's the food in the hotel, the, the time of day, 
that you're going to play these games, the, you know, being away from your family, you know, the repetition of a lot of games in, in you know, a short period of time. These are all things that, you know, you got to go in with the right mental attitude that uh, this is the way it is and we're going to accept it and we're going to challenge ourselves to do that. Uh, when you start to, you know, second guess, why are we here? I don't like my, you know, I don't like the way we're, you know, the food that we have or uh, you're getting, you know, uh, you're not liking the hotel. And, you know, all these things could be negative factors. You got to block all of that out. So you're right. I think the team that's probably strongest mentally uh, it's got a little bit of an advantage at the beginning and knowing as as long as in this, this could be two months of this, of, of going on and, and being in that hotel and, and playing every other night. So uh, <laughs> going to be a mental challenge. Um, I look at it as, you know, going over to the world championships and, you know, you're playing in Moscow and things are just not the same as you're used to. And you just have to you have to bite the bullet and go out and play hockey. And I think that's something that these guys have got to be aware of as they go in that, you know, hey, this is not going to be what we're used to, but we're going to we're going to be ready to play. Is it contingent on the leadership group within the room to relay that message and reinforce it? Not just the captain, but certainly the captain as well. Yeah, no, it is. I think it starts at the top, right? It starts with probably John or even Julian. You know, that's the message. Hey, guys, this is what it is. We're not going to bitch about it. We're not going to complain. We're not going to, you know, we're just going to go about our business. And then, you know, you've got the leaders in your team that take charge that uh, we're going to do it this way. And that's that's the way it is. And um, I mean, a lot of things happen in the playoffs where your leadership group is, has got to, you know, right the ship a little bit. And, and this is part of it. Well, Andy, it's been great catching up with you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and providing such valuable insights. I know you're going to be involved with the morning skate show uh, coming up before the team leaves, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, we have one tomorrow, and then one will be our last day. I think there's a blue and white game. We'll probably do something then. So, yeah, uh, we've done one already on Monday. It was good to have C. Rick and Brian and Chief and get back. You know, we were de we definitely social distance our six feet away, and uh, but it's good to talk hockey. There's no doubt. Well, it's going to be like March Madness when this yep. thing gets underway. The players may not like playing at noon, but the fans are going to be eating this up. You could watch hockey literally like 13 straight hours a day at the start of this. So it's going to be it's going to be like uh, feasting after a long famine. So hopefully yeah, uh, we'll have a lot to talk about in the next few months. But thanks again, Dave. You got it, Mish. All right. Take care. All right. That was Dave Anrichuk, uh, Steve Ersnick, and I coming back for the second half of today's show on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Certainly great to catch up with Dave Anrichuk. He had a lot of interesting things to say about how much of a challenge this is going to be for players physically and mentally and how they're going to have to handle things if they hope to be successful, not just the Lightning, but any team that's out there that's playing in this upcoming tournament. Kaylee Chelios had a chance to catch up remotely with John Cooper in an interview that is available on the Lightning's website, and we are going to play that audio for you right now. Kaylee Chelios chatting with Lightning head coach John Cooper. 
Hey, Lightning fans, Kaylee Chelios joined by Lightning head coach John Cooper, socially distancing. John, day three of training camp. Uh, it's been a pretty eventful week, obviously, with hockey back. And I think the, the players are able to scrimmage today for the first time. For you, just day three now, how are you adjusting to the new health and safety protocols? And, and how is it affecting the way you're preparing for training camp? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely different. Uh, to be honest, it really hasn't affected the on ice. Uh, I think that's the one time you've, you're kind of feel back to normal is the second we step on the ice. It's the second you step off that everything is, uh, is a little different. Uh, it's just, it's little things. It's, you know, because we get tested in the morning, so you can't eat beforehand where normally you would eat. So you have to bring food with you, which is, which is different um, because you know, we're, we, we can't have uh, food in the arena that's, uh, that's cooked here. So uh, it's just little things like that. Obviously, the mask wearing is, is different. The guys have been great, though, uh, doing that. Everybody is wearing masks uh, everywhere we go. Um, so that is, is a little different. Um, but the, the bottom line is once we get into – when we get on the ice, everything's the same. And there's been a lot of excitement – because uh, I think the guys, you know, they've been cooped up for four months and uh, haven't had a lot of social interaction. And so uh, it's, uh, it's been great to have them on the ice. You mentioned just not being able to do kind of normal stuff like eating breakfast together and just the day-to-days away from the rink. When you look at kind of what the bubble is going to be like and the players not being able to have that kind of interaction with each other that they're so used to having and kind of that bonding that you have going into the playoffs – how do you think that if all if at all will kind of impact the team and how do you create that playoff like mentality to to bring the guys together as the coach yeah it's going to be a little different i think though like once once you're in the bubble for a couple of days and everybody's been uh, tested uh, a couple times um i think you you're going to be you're going to have your your meal room and you're going to have your I guess treatment area that that um, what kind of mask is a lounge as well. So I think we're going to spend a lot of time together. And um, the one difference is when you're on the road, you know, players go in groups and stuff like that to eat with each other and, and different restaurants. But it's uh, it's almost world championship styles. Actually, ironically, I've got a world championships uh, jersey behind me. <laughs> but if you really think about it, it's going to be f- similar to that. Um, you know, when you go to world championships, you're usually gone for the first couple weeks without families. And, uh, so that'll be very similar to world championships. Your all your meals are in a, a room together. So the team is constantly together. Uh, and, and then the games are, you know, worlds, they were noon, four and eight o'clock, very similar to how the games are going to be, uh, in the hub city of Toronto for us. So, uh, I, I think the guys that have, that played a worlds will have, you'll be a little familiar with the setup, uh, but there's going to be a lot of time where it's, uh, it's just us. And, and the one good thing is being around these guys, we've got a pretty close team. So uh, it'll be no problem for us. And I know it's new for everybody kind of coming into the training camp with fewer guys and, and no one's really at an advantage here, but just kind of taking it one day at a time, everything's pretty new right now, but what to you has kind of stood out from this training camp compared to others when you do have less players, a different roster than how you ended the regular season, some new faces on the ice. What's kind of stood out to you as the biggest difference as you kind of evaluate, you know, the way things are going right now? Well, to be honest, the, 
probably the biggest difference is how uh, good the camp is right now. And I know we're only three days in, but when you only have 30 players, as opposed to having 67, uh, it, it really, like there's a lot of talent on the ice. And so uh, when you go to you know training camps of September, uh, you might have some junior players there. They're all good hockey players, but some kids are really young. Um, they're not really expected to make your team. They're in training camp a lot for the scouts to see and for management to see and, and uh, for them to get acclimated to orga our organization. But everybody here is, uh, everybody knows each other. Uh, almost all of them have played NHL games. So, um, you know, and you thought there was going to be a little bit of rust. Surprisingly, uh, they've been great. The competitive uh, uh, environment's been excellent. Uh, they're in way better shape than I anticipated. And I think a lot of that has been driven by the fact that everybody out there is a heck of a hockey player. And so uh, uh, they've gone from, you know, four months off to a pretty high level of play in a short amount of time. I know it's hard to go back to the end of the regular season at all, but just the way you guys were, were playing at that point and when you're looking at film or kind of looking at some of the systems again right now at camp, how much of an effort or emphasis will you guys put towards the special teams right now with this group? Well, there's no doubt the special teams are going to be important. And um, we, we've got to get our, you know, you look back at the season and as a staff, when you have this, the time we've had, you really get to, um, it's different because in, a, in when your season ends and you've got the summer, you come into training camp, you're looking to tweak things or, or improve on things. But the bottom line is you've got a different, different team all the teams you're playing are different it's a different season this is unique in the sense that the team is the same we're not you know your roster's not changing the players you're playing against aren't changing all you're having is a little bit of a pause so we got to kind of reset and see what we were doing well and what we weren't and for the most part we've done a lot of things well this year uh so and then you got to kind of find those areas and as you noted like special teams is a big one and our our penalty kill struggled early in the year and then did a heck of a job to get back. And at some point, you know, we were in the top six or seven in the league. Uh, and then the penalty or the power play was the opposite. The power play was outstanding for, you know, months on end. And it just seemed that, you know, uh, Stammer got hurt, injured, uh, Hetty got hurt. We, and we started getting some injuries and our power play stalled a little bit. So I think, you know, if you're going to bread get any light out of this, this pause may have helped, uh, you know, us in the special teams department, but, pretty long-winded answer to sit here and say, yeah, it's going to be pivotal. And after these three days, we didn't do any special teams, but we'll be doing it uh, from here on out. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, John. We appreciate it as always and look forward to checking back when you, with you uh, as camp goes leading into that exhibition game. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kate. And, and to say um, it's the first time I, since uh, we paused on March 11th or whenever that was and You've become a new mom, so I was wondering how, uh, congratulations, how's that, uh, how's that going? Thank you, it's great. Uh, we're doing well, my husband's, we went from seeing each other maybe three times from August to March or February, and now we spent the entire quarantine with each other every second of it with the baby, so it was a big adjustment for both of us, but it was awesome. We didn't want to kill each other, which is great, and the baby's been absolutely amazing. We're excited. Baby bolts. Ours was a baby bolt, and so was uh, Luke Shen's son. Also, that's right. That's uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, well, it's a lot of fun. Thank you. Can't wait it. to see you back.
So that was Kaylee with John Cooper recording that interview, clearly after they had had the first three days of camp, as he referenced that when he talked about getting into special teams work, presumably starting as soon as tomorrow. Let's bring in Steve Versnick. And I guess first off, Steve, I wanted to jump into this question of the round robin and how the Lightning are going to construct their lineup. And and the shows that I've done, I don't know if Greg has asked everyone who's come on this question. I feel like I've asked everybody that has come on with us this question, maybe with the exception of you, and I feel like there's no consensus. I mean, some people like Andrew Chuck were saying, you know what, you got to play the lineup that's going to give you the best chance to win in game one of the playoffs and win the round robin games. He was putting a lot of emphasis mm -hmm. on winning the round robin games. And then there are other people who have said, you know what, you're going to need Bogosian. You're going to need Coburn. You're going to need Verhage maybe. And I'm just throwing those names out because they mm -hmm. are not currently s slotted into a top four line or a top six D situation. And the feeling is that you need to get those guys into at least one round robin game because you may need them as soon as game two of the playoffs. And I, I find it really interesting that nobody is really agreeing with each other. Like we've had some in one camp, some in the other. So I'll ask you, what do you think? Well, I, I think the, the schedule is going to dictate some of it. I think, you know, you've got the third and the fifth and then the ninth. Yeah. So I think your lineup for game one is going to – they're all going to play the ninth for sure. Because if they don't, that's a week between games essentially. The right. fifth to the, the game 11th one or lineup. Right. The game right. one lineup will be the lineup on the ninth. Yes. So you know all your, your – the, 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 the 18 skaters that you plan to put on the ice for game one of the playoffs, whoever that is, you're going to play on the ninth. So that gives you the option on the third and the fifth – to try a few people out and maybe you know Jan Ruda gets a game and Braden Coburn gets one or you take Shattenkirk out or it also in the terms of a Steven Stamkos type who had the core surgery when the pause happened was going to be out now hurt himself in phase two if you want to just give him a little less time to avoid any injuries you could take him out of the lineup for a game as well I mean you've got that possibility too but I think you've only got two games to play with, essentially, in the round robins, and that's the first two games. Um, you know, Dave, it was interesting how much emphasis he was putting on the round robin games, and 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 for good purpose too. He said, "Do you want to play Pittsburgh in the first?" Yeah, round? And, and that's the team that that people are mentioning, mm -hmm. and they are healthy, other than Nick Bugstad, who's, right. as I understand it, out for this tournament. But they would be a tough opponent, and it was it was by the narrowest of margins that Philly got into that top four and not right. Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. and, and same in the West, you want to play Edmonton, who's a really good team, and they're the fifth seed as well. I mean, yeah. you know, it, so, you know, you and you can control if you play Pittsburgh or not because you win your three games, you're going to get the top seed. Or even if you win two of them, I can't imagine you're, you can't get the fourth seed at that point. I, I can't imagine you could. So, Unless something funky happens with points, which Eric and I were talking about right. earlier in the week. Right. If they do treat the round-robin games like regular season games in terms of 
point allocation as opposed to just you win a game or lose a game. Right, and I believe they are. And I and the other part with the Lightning is they've got the tiebreaker over Washington and Philly if right. they were to tie because of regular season point percentage. They don't against Boston. So, uh, but you can control that that getting that fifth the playing Pittsburgh, which you know that's the team. I, you know, you could talk about a lot of other teams, but you know Pittsburgh. Anytime you got Sidney Crosby on the ice, you worry. I mean, you know, because he can absolutely change a game. So, I think they're. I I I disagree with Dave. I think in that third and fifth game, they're going to play a couple players. I don't think you're going to see a lot. But is it a Verhage type? Is it either Bogosian or Coburn? Maybe gets in for a game. Um, McElhaney, I believe, should get. He's got to get something somewhere. And I don't. I don't know if you'll give him maybe part of the exhibition game instead and let Vasilevsky take all three of the round robins. That's a possibility with McElhaney, but I would think you'd want to get him in for something somewhere, if it's a period. Right. Yeah, those round robin games, they're not meaningless, clearly. There is a lot at stake in terms of mm-hmm. seeding and also wanting to to play your best. And that was the other point that that Andrichuk made relating to you want to go in and treat these games as much as you can as if it were a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if your game one lineup is going to be X, you would want X to be playing in the round robin games. I guess after hearing so many different responses or no consensus, it's either one response or the other, I'm probably falling more in line with with what you just said, that we may see some variance but it's going to be small and it's going to be not in the third round robin game. And it may not even be in the first round robin game. They may want that lineup, the Washington game on the third mm-hmm. to be the game on lineup two. And well, maybe it's in, in the second game, the Boston game that you, you see a little bit of a lineup rotation. And, and you know, and, and Coop may leave it to the players too. I mean, you know, does Stamkos, do you want to play all three? Right. You know, he may, you know, Victor Hedman, do you want to play all three? You know, what what do you guys need? I mean, that may be part of it, too, is is really working with the players themselves going, do you need all three games? You know, how do you want to approach this? What, you know, and, and he may leave some of that decision making to some individual players as well. Um, just, you know, is trying to get everyone as ready as possible in this bizarre world where we've taken four months off from doing anything in sports. And we're coming back. And, you know, initially, you know, the talk was there was going to be two or three exhibition games, which would have led you to play a lot of these guys and to get, you know, some of your black aces or your backups in the games. But once they went to one exhibition game, it it does change how you think about things. I mean, think about, you know, the teams that are going straight to the qualifying rounds. They don't have a choice but to play their top lineup in the one exhibition game. Exactly. Nobody's getting any time outside of. You know, if you need to step up because of injury, then you'll step up, but you're not getting anything beforehand to get started. The other part that maybe lends itself toward the Lightning not changing their lineup, or if they're going to make a change, it's going to be a really small change, is the schedule. And I think I referenced this with Eric when he was on earlier in the week that. I don't know about you. I was a little surprised to see the format the way that it was so that none of the round robin teams, not one, will be playing a back-to-back, which I think you and I were both under the assumption that 
they would basically play the round-robin games to get them done as early as they could and then give those teams a little bit of time for the series, the playing series, to finish. But instead, and then the playing series would just go every other day because you could play mm-hmm. two on one day and then two on the next. But what they're doing instead, and maybe this is to ensure that they have games <laughs> every day to televise, they're really spreading out the round-robin games. And instead, in each of the four play-in series in the East and the four play-in series in the West, each of those series has one back-to-back. Now, the teams may not get to the back-to-back. Like, each series has a different back-to-back. So, one mm-hmm. of the series has the back-to-back between games four and five. Well, there may not be a game five. But, like, I think the the Florida Islander series, the back-to-back is between games two and three. So they are definitely going to have a back-to-back in there. So my point is that because the Lightning have a schedule in which the games are spread out, a stamp ghost, for example, might be more inclined to say, you know what, three games over the span of six, seven days, I'm good. I want to play all three. But if it had been three games over five days, he Uh might have felt a little differently. Yeah, this and you know we when we thought about the schedule, you kind of forgot about hey, the qualifying series could go five games. You know, we were thinking of you know you're matching it up of, you know, three games a day. They want to play three games every day. Well, it turns out they're not. Some games are only going to be two right. days, two games in a, a venue based on off days and and how they spread everything out. So we kind of kind of weren't thinking that when when we when we were you know kind of talking over the schedule. But yeah, I mean, I, I would think, you know, three games in a week is – that's what a hockey schedule usually is. It's three to four games a week. I, I wouldn't think most of the players would want to take any of those days off if you asked them. And uh, much less condensed than mm-hmm. a typical preseason schedule, too. The yes. first week, you're usually looking at four games in five days. Yes. But even the second week, it's usually like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, which this is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're what, Monday, Wednesday, Sunday. So right. that's, you know, and then, you know, you may have another two days off before your first game. I mean, you could start on the 11th. You could start on the 12th. You don't know. So, Well, we are going to be carrying not only the round robin games, also the exhibition game, and also mm-hmm. the two blue-white scrimmage games scheduled for next week at Amelie Arena before the team departs for Toronto. Why don't you spell all that out for the listeners, Steve, about how that is going to be distributed and where fans can find these games. Sure. We're going to do the uh, blue-white scrimmage games are Monday and Friday next week at 4 p.m. So we'll do that right here on Lightning Power Play, which, of course, you can get every Lightning game all season long, no matter what, on Lightning Power Play every time. Uh, So we'll be doing those next week, Monday and and Friday, in addition to Power Lunch all week. And then uh, the exhibition game will be January 29th. At 11.30 will be pregame. Noon is the face-off. That game will air on the radio in Tampa Bay on 1250 WHNZ. Uh, and, of course, it'll be here on Lightning Power Play, as always, as well. Then when we get to the round-robin games on the 3rd, 5th, and 9th, uh, the first two games are at 4 o'clock face-off, so 3.30 pregame time. Those will move back to 970 WFLA and uh, all their FM translators as well, and as well as being on Lightning Power Play here. So in the Sunday game time, still to be determined, against the Flyers on the ninth. So that'll all depend on what other games or series are still going on in both the East and West uh, Conference for television purposes. Those scrimmages will be fun for the players. I I was noting that the scrimmage yesterday Mm -hmm. 
was a lot of fun for the players. I think McDonough referenced that when he met with the media after the scrimmage. And he was also impressed with how cleanly it was played. But it's almost like they're giving a carrot to the players, <laughs> understanding that there's a lot of hard work that is going into this training camp. And so the scrimmages are fun, but they also can serve a purpose, and McDonough talked about this, of having to make quicker decisions as opposed to kind of a drill in a bubble, not mm -hmm. to use that term, which we've been using a lot <laughs> relating to the hub cities. But it's different than in a game situation, even if that game situation is a scrimmage, which is a step below, certainly, an exhibition game and well below what we're going to see after the exhibition games. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, what's the old adage? You know, games are fun, practices stink. I mean, you know, players don't like to practice. I mean, you serve a lot of purposes, and it's it's good, but playing games is what they ultimately want to do, and, and, and that scrimmage is as close as you get to that without actually having games. So, um, you know, they always say, you know, the, the practices are harder than the game, so you'd rather play games. So, um, But it also gives the players a chance to to get back to feeling, I mean, what's it been, four months since they've played a game? I mean, yeah. you know, it's one thing to do drills and practice and, and you know, you, you run through your lines and you do all that, you do that stuff, but to actually play the game and have to react in real time to this happens here that, you know, it's not so scripted, you know, not that practice is completely scripted, but, you know, the coaches want to work on certain things throughout practice, so that's what you do. A game, you've got to react to what goes on, and i got to imagine for the players, for the first time doing that in over four months has to be feel tremendous. The Lightning also do have to work in the practice time, though. And John Cooper talked about how good camp looked, not just the scrimmage, but also the drills, mm -hmm. which is interesting. And they did ease in that first day with it was less hard work and more free flow type of drills to get the players reacclimated to what an NHL practice is like. But he also noted that maybe the workouts have looked a little bit better because the players are so excited to be back. <laughs> and he drew a parallel between how the players are feeling as a group with sometimes how you see a player coming up from the minors making his NHL debut plays with that kind of enthusiasm and energy that propels that player to sometimes great success in the early part of his call-up or his stay with the big team, and then the level dips. And Coop almost made it sound like he's expecting a dip at some point, mm -hmm. and it's at that point, and it's probably going to happen before the team leaves for Toronto, once the novelty of being back and seeing their teammates kind of wears off, and maybe it'll happen as soon as tomorrow. But that's kind of the first bump in the road. They're going to have to push through that and and really bear down to make sure they're getting the work in even if they're not quite as excited to be back as they were say on monday and tuesday it'll be interesting when the dip happens and i think every team's going to have this and i say that because look the last four months have been a grind on everybody i mean you know it, cooper talked about in the interview and, and, and everything else too about you know being in toronto and the group's tight and all this but this tournament in, in the NBA and, and, you know, MLS doing their stuff, it's the same thing. It's a mental grind, too. You know, you're going away for hopefully five, six, seven weeks. You're in a bubble. You can't really do a lot outside of what's in the bubble. 
You haven't played hockey in four months. You're trying for the ultimate prize. But you've got to keep yourself the, – the mental part of, of the last four months for everyone has been a big part of this, of, you know, everything – our whole world's changed, and, and you're trying to figure that out too. You're getting back to some normalcy with hockey, but as soon as you leave the ice, you've got the mask on. You can't go out to eat. You can't – all this – It's you're getting to normalcy with the hockey part, but there's still a lot of it that isn't normal. And it's keeping that positive mental focus and, and being able to persevere through that too that – you know, the, the excitement for being back in the ice is these guys haven't played together in, you know, four months. That's the longest they've ever gone with this in the sport. So there's a lot of giddiness. So when does that dip come? Who knows? We'll see. Because, you know, it's still getting back to there's still some normalcy in, in a world where everything else is not normal at this point. At least when they get to the hub city, they won't have to prepare their own meals like John Cooper yeah. was talking about <laughs> and, and wait to eat. I was under the impression – and maybe I read this somewhere, but the testing is going to happen in the evening and they're going to get the results the next morning. And if that's the case, I mean, maybe they have to refrain from eating or drinking at some point in the evening. And obviously for the teams that are playing in the evening, that would be a little bit different. So I'm not sure how they're going to work out the logistics on that. I'm sure the NHL has that plan certainly in place and, and very detailed protocols about how and when they're going to be testing players. But they will at least have food prepared for them yes. when they get to the hub city. So that part of it maybe will get, if easier is the right word. I don't know if that is the right word because nothing about this for the players quarantining themselves in a hotel and staying in a bubble is necessarily going to be easy, but they will have their meals prepared for them. Yeah, that, well, that, you know, that part will kind of get a little bit back to normal, although it's not going to be buffet style and things like that. It's going to be... You know, probably box type food or, you know, something like that where you can't, you know, all buffets and all that are gone. And that's kind of what the players do, salad bars and things like that. So those kind of things change. But but they'll get back to some normalcy as they'll have meals and stuff prepared for them. Well, Steve, why don't you give us a taste of what we've got? Coming up tomorrow and then into next week. Tomorrow, Greg will be live at Amelie Arena for Power Lunch. You'll be uh, connecting with him and chatting the whole hour there. But he'll be live at Amelie Arena as the Bolts get back to practice. We have morning skate show on Fox Sports Sun and TampaBayLightning.com at 11 a.m. tomorrow with Rick Peckham, Bobby the Chief Taylor, Brian Engblom, and Dave Anderchuk, who was on the show earlier today. So you can tune in for that at 11 and then flip over to Lightning Power Play for Power Lunch at noon. And then next week, as we talked about, mm-hmm. we're going to be airing the two scrimmages on Monday and Friday at 4 o'clock, but power lunch through the week, correct? That's correct. All right. We're getting closer. It's getting very exciting. But thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Thanks to Dave Anrichuk. Thanks to Steve Versnick. I'm Dave Mishkin. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody.